Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is a comedian, an author and presenter. He won the first series of Taskmaster, which is my favourite thing to watch on TV ever. <laughs> um, he's part of Channel 4's The Last Leg, co-host of the Parenting Hell podcast alongside Rob Beckett, married to Rose, dad to two children, four-year-old Pearl and nine-month-old Cassius. It is Josh Whitaker. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Very good. Pleased to be here. Are you? I, uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> this is this is my main break is podcasts now. Really? That's, that's, that's my relaxing and my social life. What was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Devon in the middle of nowhere on Dartmoor. I don't know if you've been to Devon. I have heard no. of Dartmoor. Dartmoor's You've heard pretty, of Dartmoor. Pretty, it's a place that people know. Yeah, it's pretty remote. So I kind of grew up, my parents moved down there when I was three and a half. Um, well, we all moved down there when I was three and a half. <laughs> they took you and, with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought, I'll go along. I stayed in London for another couple of years now. And, um, my when you say remote, down... how remote? There was four kids in my year at primary school. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. Really remote. Like, yeah. I lived in a village and it had a post office and a pub. And right. that was it. That kind of vibe. Yeah. Pretty postman patch, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of, but without the helicopter that he's now got, which I'm not sure I, I mean, of. he has just gone on to another level now. Yeah, I don't know if I'd stand by that <laughs> as an idea. So was it just you? Or did you have any brothers uh, or sisters? Yeah, I've got half brothers and half sisters, but they were from my dad's first marriage, so they were didn't live with us. Yeah. But they lived in Cornwall. Okay. 
So it was me and my parents and my gran lived on the other side of the house. Oh, wow. So quite a quiet childhood. Yeah, very quiet childhood, yeah. I think, yeah, definitely. You don't realise it at the time, do you? Because everything just feels normal at the time. But, yeah, very um, sedate. Yeah. And then was there a point when you got to secondary school or anything where your sort of the circle of people around you got bigger? Or was that all in the same village? Yeah, secondary school, there was a thousand kids at the secondary school. Wow, that must have blew your mind. Yeah, so I just kind of disappeared a bit, really, there. Understandably, I think. Like, it was I don't remember that as being... I've got none of that kind of feeling of, like, oh, God, that was tough or that was difficult or any of that. But I just... You're a big deal at primary school and then you're suddenly not at secondary school. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite weird. But it was quite exciting, obviously. Because you'd, like... I think by the end of primary school, you realise... There's probably more to life than four people in a year. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and so it was really nice to go to a big school like that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I, it, being with four people, it's like family. That that You've got no choice there. Those four people are your mates. Whereas when yeah, you go to exactly. secondary school and there's so many, you can actually pick and choose who you hang out with. Yeah. But it's interesting because, like, um, my daughter's going to school next year and kind of we've been to see two schools and one of them's got like small classes Mm. and which is great because you you, to me that feels really normal obviously it's not four but it's like 15 or 16 or whatever yeah but my wife can't quite it took her a while to kind of normalize that because she's so used to her school which was 30 kids in a class do you know what I mean yeah yeah and but I think if you've got a smaller class in a way it makes you be friends with people that aren't exactly like you, Mm -hmm. which is quite a kind of advantage in a way because you're friends with everyone and it makes you kind of realise that you're not just friends with the other people that like Frozen. Do you know what I mean? Like you can, you have to kind of make these relationships and that's obviously much more like maybe adult life as well. Yeah. Is it strange thinking that Pearl's going to go to school? Yes. That's a whole new chapter. Yes, really weird. Well, she's been at nursery. Yeah. But this is different. Last... I kind of feel like with nursery, if something's going on, you kind of be like, oh, we won't take you in today because actually we're going to go do this. You know, we've got a day yeah, off. Yeah, let's yeah. all do something together. Whereas school, they have a definite place that they have to be. Yeah. The rules and you, change. Yeah, and you can't... I'm, I'm kind of dreading the mornings because <laughs> now, if she's late, she's late. No one gives a shit. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, fine, she just misses breakfast. They don't care. Yeah. It's probably easier for them. Yeah. But, like, now... We're doing all this morning stuff with a deadline, which I know everyone else does that, but I don't <laughs> understand how. Like, I'm acting like I'm the first person that's ever had to do that. Oh, as a we've child, had it this week. We've had it this week where, so we, we live 20 minutes away from the school. We've had it where Tom's mm. had to come back one day because he forgot their blazers. So one of them was yeah. upset because he forgot the blazers. Yeah. And then another day he forgot the show and tell for the three-year-old oh, who's at the nursery of the school. So we had to come back again to get that. So we're, oh, I like to think that we're organised, but we're forever, you know, dropping the, yeah. you know, we're always getting it wrong. It's weird, isn't it? It's Because also there's a, we're, uh, that one we're looking at is about 20 minutes away. And you're yeah. like, I, I, my school was three miles away or whatever because it was in the countryside. And so it was probably 20 minutes away. Yeah. But you didn't think anything of it. Whereas now I'm like, oh, my God, the commute for the next six years is going to be, like, <laughs> nightmarishly long. And that just becomes a part of your life for the next, yeah. uh, you know, however many years. Totally. 
and it's weird, isn't it? Because you suddenly go, like the nursery is quite a way away, like similar distance maybe, but it's not every day. It's yeah. not. And so you just go, oh, wow, this is what I'm going to be kind of changed to for the next six years. Yeah. Well, we when we first found the school that the kids go to, we lived about, well, on a good day, it was 25 minutes away. But then when you factor mm. in school traffic, it ended up being 50 yeah. minutes away. So we, oh so word. it would be like, well, because going home would always be a bit quicker, but we'd, it would be like an hour and a half round journey every day. Wow. Yeah. So we ended oh. up, we ended up moving anyway. Uh, but yeah. a big part of that was the school and getting closer because you do just realise how much of your day that's eating into. Yeah, totally. And I, I kind of think like I, what I've got addicted to is um, putting the school into Google Maps. Yeah. Uh, at different times of the day to just see yes, how long same. the journey would be if I had to do it now. <laughs> Always like, on ways. Oh, it's actually quite clear now. Yeah, I can just check that. I was definitely doing that when I was really trying to get Tom to agree to buying this house. Because I was being like, look, right yeah. now, 16 minutes. 16. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, that is one thing about school is you go, God, there is going to be this point because... My son's going to go to the nursery near, I think, and stuff where, yeah. like, they're just going to, neither of them are going to be in the house. And that's going to be so it's weird. It's such a game changer. So all of our three are out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, between eight and four. And yeah. it is just so different. It's that guilt-free work time. Yeah. The silence. Yeah. I can remember the first time it happened, coming home and hearing the fridge hum. <laughs> just be like, what a beautiful sound. <laughs> it's totally yeah, different. I, I can't quite believe it'll happen, but it will. It, You know, I think, so my son's, what, nine months now? You said that, and I, I thought, Do oh, you God, agree with that? Is that a good oh, yeah, statement? Yeah, I've been saying eight months, but you're right, and I'm wrong <laughs> about my own son. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... Um, we haven't really had any moment. He hasn't gone to nursery yet or anything, yeah. so there's... We haven't got to that. You forget what it's like. We're, we're, for two years, when my daughter would go to nursery for three days a week, you'd have that time when it, you were just in the house, but it's you suddenly lose it, and it's. And then, of course, you'll get to the age where you miss it because you go because you don't ever get to see your children because yeah. they're in the bedroom. And you're my telling everyone you meet, that. and you tell everyone you meet, make the most of it. It goes yeah, so yeah. fast. <laughs> <laughs> Is your daughter hanging out in her bedroom? Is that what she's yeah, doing? Yeah, she started doing that in the last two months. Maybe mm. in the, even in the last month. So she started going up to her bedroom, not wanting you to go in, that Aww. kind of thing. She's doing something. You feel guilty. You feel like, am I, is this bad parenting here? I don't understand. Like, that's what she wants. Like, should I be? Well, I think she... that was the hardest part of the whole of lockdown, though, is that the kids didn't get the independence that they would have done had they been going to school and nursery, they were with yeah. you so much that actually I think they do need that little bit of time to just step away. Yeah, totally, totally. But you do feel like, God, should I be putting on a treasure hunt or something? No, I've ever done that in my life. <laughs> so did you always know that you wanted to be a dad? No, not at all. I don't think so at all. Definitely not in my 20s, I wouldn't have thought. I wasn't like, I don't want to be a dad. Yeah. It just didn't really figure in my mind as a thing I want as a thing it felt removed from my existence in my 20s right I think a lot of people that get into comedy stand-up comedy you know you live this kind of I think I loved being a student and the freedom of being a student and mm. that kind of and I think doing stand-up was in a way 
as close as you can get to that. Like you're, you're your own boss, you're working when you want, you, you know, you're going to a cafe and writing in the day or whatever, and then you're yeah. working in the evening or whatever. That was my life throughout my twenties. That work came first and social life was related to work. Mm. And I think what I do as a job is one of those jobs, which is incredible in your twenties, but everything that makes it great in your twenties makes it bad in your thirties when you've got kids. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't really drink now that much, but um, the fact that, you know, your job is really, you can do it with alcohol around. It's like working 10 Downing Street. You can do it with like, um, you can, um, the fact the social and the job, the fact you're working nights, mm -hmm. all these things that felt really exciting and freeing in your 20s feel really annoying when you've got children because I got back last night at 1am from King's Lynn where I was doing mm. a tour show and then you're up at six and that wouldn't be a problem if you'd, didn't have kids, but yeah. suddenly the job counteracts with the kids. Well, and you can't, you, it's one of those things, if you've missed the bedtime, cause I, so I'm doing a show at the moment, and I always feel like if I've missed the bedtime, I can't then stay in bed the next morning. I no, should, probably no, should, exactly. probably should yeah, catch up on right. my sleep, but you can't because you know that the other parent's done that yeah, bit. Yeah, totally, yeah. I, I just think otherwise you're like, your life is you're the one who's sleeping. Well, we've, we've kind of got a system where I'll get up for a bit for like an hour or so mm. with our son to give my wife a lie until about 7, 7.30. Yeah. And then I'll go back to bed for an hour and a half maybe. And it's like, you're like, this isn't really a long-term solution. That we, <laughs> that we never see each other till 9am because one of us is asleep in different shifts. But then seeing each other at 9am, that's still a decent time. Is it yeah. carrying on throughout the whole day that you're doing shifts like that? Yeah, I don't think the, the job suits being a parent. So to go back, at that point, I didn't in any way think about being a dad. Yeah. And then we kind of, I think like a lot of people, you just go, oh, Maybe that's the next thing, or maybe kind of, we weren't trying for a baby, but we weren't yeah. not, if you know what I mean, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. I think a lot of people are maybe you're slightly kidding yourself. You're going, well, what will be will be because you don't want to kind of yeah. tempt fate or anything. Mm. But um, yeah, so that was how it happened. You kind of drifted into it in a weird way, if that makes sense. Can you remember like, how you, you felt when, when you first found out that Rose was pregnant? It was the morning after her last leg. So I was... I woke up late because I'd been at the BBC till 2am or something. And then I, the main memory I've got is not so much when she told me. I remember we went for breakfast right. after I knew. And suddenly you're watching other parents of young children. Right. And you're going, suddenly you're watching, suddenly those people that disappeared into the, the nothingness of, you know, life yeah. when you were looking around a cafe. And now the people you're watching going, What's that like then? That's going to be me. Oh, look, he's struggling to get his pram through the door. Oh, God, that's going to be... <laughs> and that's... My main memory is suddenly that kind of switch of being in Marito on Hackney Road having breakfast and suddenly you're watching the other parents going, OK, this is my life now. Yeah. Isn't it funny how all of a sudden everything everything's almost new in that in that way you know your your that 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 switch that shift of focus becomes it well it happens so quickly and instantly yeah. 
totally. And then you kind of, you, I mean, try and prepare and all that kind of. Like, were, I, were you the, a good preparer? What did you do to prepare? I don't think you can prepare. Yeah. I, I I tried to be a good preparer, but I, you realise that you can't. You know, we bought all the stuff. I was quite good at that. Made yeah. a spreadsheet of all the stuff we needed to buy. Did, did you? That yeah, because I like I'm I am a preparer. I like everything. I like to do methodically and well do you know what I mean did you read so, lots of books about pregnancy I read stuff? one book okay not about pregnancy about having a child okay which I now look back on I won't say what it was as a little too prescriptive right, and yeah, a little yeah, yeah. too um if you do this then your baby will do this like it's a supercomputer rather than a human being yeah if you know what I mean yeah, yeah. which I found it's very easy to read that chapter in the book before you have a baby and go Oh, great. Well, they're going to be sleeping 12 hours after three months if I just do this. Yeah. And then, and then reality hits. But uh, it was probably the first thing I've ever done where you can't prepare in the way that where you're just thrown into. But I think that's quite freeing. And I think that's Did you? A really good... It didn't worry you. It was you were OK with it. No, I wasn't initially. But I think looking back now, I think it I think there's a really good lesson for people who are like me who are quite kind of do the research you know at school right you know I'd read all the things write the essay da, 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 you know that actually it's quite freeing to be thrown into something where you don't have that much control yeah and where you have to react rather than there's not much you can do because suddenly your child has hand foot and mouth yeah. and that's it that's the next three days of your life yeah and you've just got to surrender to it and I think that's a really good kind of life lesson about yeah about you can't control everything yeah yeah did you do any antenatal classes or hypnobirthing or anything like that so we did a hypnobirthing day yeah i think and we listened to this tape every night as we're going to sleep yeah about hypnobirthing we did bump and baby was the antenatal class Mm -hmm. we did which is that is that right i think but uh which was really good but we didn't really make many friends from the group because i tell you what happened is it was one of those ones where it was like two days on one weekend. Right. Rather than, I think all the people we know that have made friends from NCT classes are people who've done eight evenings or whatever. Yeah. Done So you get that kind of short thing, whereas this was like, I suppose the equivalent of those, you know, those people that go away and learn to drive in a week, you know, yeah. those kind of, it was the equivalent of that. So it didn't have in the same bonding experience, I think. Yeah. So we did them, but then in the end, it was 10 days late. Oh, really? my wife had to have an emergency caesarean. Oh, really? So, so that's the thing, isn't it? You can't plan. Yeah, I think you can't I plan. think the big the biggest thing, so I did hypnobirthing and stuff, and I think for me it kept me nice and calm throughout the whole experience. Mm. But when it comes to birth, you know, your baby's going to have its own agenda. You know, yeah, your, your, your totally. body does what it does and... How was that for you? How was the wait during those 10 days? It was quite weird because it never really, I suppose it doesn't, it didn't feel like it was going to happen ever. Do you know what I mean? It was kind <laughs> yeah. of, like, I, don't, I didn't think, I never really felt like it was going to, it always, I mean, it, maybe you're saying this after the event, it always felt like this is just going to be late and we're going to end up having to be induced. I don't know why it felt like that, but it did. Yeah. One of my main memories is uh, it was during a series of The Last Leg. So I really didn't want it to be on a Friday because I thought that would be like doubly stressful if I wasn't there and stuff. 
and that's one of my main memories is trying to get through is those Fridays being doubly stressful. Yeah. Well, and also, I guess it's one of those things where, you know, I think we both work in a way that work is such a focus. And there are very few things, I think, where real life comes and pulls you away yeah. from that and, and really yeah. makes you kind of question where you should be the birth of your child is definitely one of those definitely but then it's that whole thing that comes knowing you're gonna let people down which is you know obviously for really good reasons but part of you goes oh all the mess that you're leaving everyone else around that yeah totally It's, it's it's a really weird time I remember like walking around Victoria Park where we live just that week before you know people say this kind of stuff like what you should do is you should do all the things you aren't going to get to do like go to the cinema or go for dinner yeah we didn't really do them and I wouldn't say I regret it because I don't believe that were you like up at 3am with a child that wouldn't sleep you go I'm really glad I went to the cinema three weeks ago (laughs) it wouldn't make any difference like once you've got the baby what you did before is of no consequence yeah 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 I'm so glad we went for dinner before we had this baby it's really getting me through this awful sleepless night (laughs) so getting yourself suited up and ready for surgery how did the c-section was it yeah because this sounds so kind of glib and obvious, but it was much more like a operation yeah. than I realised. Yeah. So they went round the room and they do that thing. I've never been in an operation uh, consciously. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I've obviously. And so suddenly you're in an operation. It's like you're in a, like a medical drama. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They do that thing where they go around the room and they say who everyone is. Did you have, I don't know if you... No, no, uh, so they introduce everyone so you know who is who. Yeah, but not for you. I think think that's just, is that practice that they do in a surgery or whatever. Right. I don't know how it works. So they go, they go around the room and they almost take a register almost of who's in there. Yeah. It must be good practice or whatever. And then it was very quick. I remember just shaking with like nerves. Really? Or, yeah, because you're just... The adrenaline going around your body is insane. It's weird because obviously the, the second time, well, not obviously, but the second time we were advised because of what had happened the first time to have a planned C-section. Right. So I've never been in that room of a straightforward birth. Yeah. So I haven't got that to compare it to. But um, the second time was bizarre because it was so casual. Really? Yeah. Literally, like, the guy that was doing it, chatting while he was doing it to <laughs> us. Like he's cutting your hair. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> got any nice holiday plans? <laughs> yeah, literally, like, which is great, obviously, and all that. It was really, like, brilliant. Yeah. Because, you know, to them, it's just another C-section, isn't yeah. it? Like, it's just, which is reassuring. They're not going, shit, <laughs> that would be much worse. Yeah, But yeah, it's yeah. quite astonishing the difference in mood of the first and the second one. Because one was an emergency and one was planned. Yeah. yeah. And not so much from the other people, but just from yourself. Yeah. I guess because you know what you're expecting a little bit as well. You've yeah. seen it before. You know how, you know, the register wouldn't have caught you off guard. It's just like, yeah, yeah almost exactly. a familiarity yeah, yeah. with been, it. Yeah. I don't have loads of vivid memories of either of them. You just have the more the memories of the emotion of them, if that yeah. makes sense. Can you remember how it felt meeting Pearl for the first time? I remember 
one of the best bits of advice I ever got from a friend was like, don't put yourself under pressure for it to be this kind of Hollywood moment yeah, where you... so important. I think that one of the most dangerous things you can kind of tell people is when you meet your baby, you will feel a love like you've never felt before. Because the whole this... world will make sense. Yeah, there's this huge pressure. Yeah. Uh, like, which I just don't, <laughs> don't think you need in your life, if you know what I mean. I just remember just the shock of how small she was. Yeah. That's what I mainly remember. But I don't... That doesn't feel as vivid to me as the the C-section because I think it was such a drama. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it was almost just like relief that nothing had gone wrong. Yeah. Was the main thing. Yeah. That's kind of... That whole experience is overshadowed by this emergency C-section yeah. at four in the morning or whatever it was. And were there parts where you had to come home and leave the both of them at hospital and then... For a few days, or were you able to stay there the whole time? No, we didn't stay for that long. Oh, really? I don't think. So the, the first night, this is mad. She just was screaming and screaming and screaming, and we just couldn't stop her screaming. Yeah. To the point where it got quite worrying. So we took her into the hospital, and because we were like, I don't know, like worried. Yeah. Never, and when you don't know what's normal and what's no, not. No, exactly. And you're feeding her, and the more we're feeding her, the more she was screaming and. Yeah. It was just like, God, is there something wrong? And so we took her in in our car seat. And then as we walked through the car park, we got inside. And because we'd walked through the cold of the car park, even though she was wrapped up warm, she basically went a bit blue. So now we're like completely panicking. It was horrific. Yeah. And so we get in there with basically this baby that's gone blue. And it was just like awful, awful, oh my awful, gosh. awful. But it was all fine. It was just when they're a baby, they just yeah, cluster feeding, isn't it, or whatever it's yeah, called. Where yeah. um, they just you can't basically feed them enough at the start. Sometimes, can you? Yeah. God, that must have been worrying. Yeah, it was horrific. I mean, you can look back and laugh now, but at yeah, the time, it was absolutely unbelievably scary. Yeah. More scary than the cesarean, really, because you're like, I can't believe this is happening to us. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, and so we had to go to hospital with two of ours within the first week. And it is mm. that they just are so fragile and so vulnerable early on. Yeah. And you just kind of, yeah. you know, you, you don't know what you're doing. You just no. want someone else to give you a little bit of guidance of yeah, what's totally. going on. I mean, we've, it always seems to be nighttime when we go. Yeah, like always. The, the kids A&E at Homerton Hospital in East London, <laughs> like the amount of evenings I've spent there... <laughs> is incredible, like with croup or with, yeah. um, you know, whatever, falling and hitting her head, all the, you know. Yeah. And it's and once you've said to yourself, once one of you has said, do you think we should take her in? Oh, it's in your mind it's, then. It's, in, it's game over. You might <laughs> yeah. as well just go then. Because yeah. you can't ever not. You never want to be the parent who said, no, they're okay. Yeah, exactly. And then it actually yeah. be something really bad. Yeah, so you've basically got to take them in at that point. Yeah. Very, very true. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And at what point did you and Rob decide to create a podcast? And was this, how was that born? Was that born from just you two talking about it all anyway we talked about it all obviously it was more difficult for him because he had two he was also doing a lot of videos on instagram about how tough he was finding it right and also on top of that we'd kind of suddenly got a lot of free time we were both meant to be on tour yeah. so that wasn't happening and all that loads of, so suddenly you're like well what can i do just to feel like i'm working and I'm moving I'm doing something creatively I think that's how it felt and so what I remember is from the first voice memo I sent him suggesting the idea to the first episode going out was nine days oh my gosh yeah that shows how little we had going on (laughs) 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 I sent the voice memo to him and then he kind of discussed it and we were like, that'll be fun and it's something to do. And I'd be lying if I didn't say, you'd go, oh, this could be something that you could run on. Because obviously that thought enters your head. I'm yeah. not going to pretend like you go, oh, I had no idea people would like it. Because you, you obviously, whenever you start any project, you're like, I hope people really like this and yeah. it's successful. But yeah, we certainly couldn't have anticipated how it snowballed. It just felt like, you know, in a weird way, it, it just tapped into a bit of a moment, I suppose, initially. Yeah. Now it's just become a bit of a soap opera. It's quite weird where we just talk about our week and just we interview someone on a Friday, but on a Tuesday it's just us telling each other about our week as parents. And I think people like it as a soap opera. We've kind of, Somehow we've become the Kardashians. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It's become... <laughs> well, I guess the thing is, like, you're talking about the mundane things that parents do day by day and week by week. And I think it's, I think the comfort in it is, is hearing that other people are going through similar things. Yeah, and finding totally. the joy in it. I think we both know that there are certain parts of parenting that are really, really tough, but you find the humour in it and yeah. it's less tough. You feel less alone, it, you know, when, when those situations arise. Totally. And from a point of view of someone who, when something bad's happening to you as a parent, and I'm sure you found this, that you go, well, the good thing is, this is kind of like something I can now, this is a positive experience for me to draw on in my work. Do you know what I mean? I'll make a note in my phone on that one. (laughs) This isn't all for nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like, actually, it's good that I'm, like, last week when Cassius had COVID, so he was ill, like, you know, running a temperature, and then you give him cowpole, and then the cowpole doesn't quite work long enough to get to the next cowpole, yeah. so he's running a temperature for another hour before you can give him more cowpole, that kind of situation. And so he couldn't sleep unless he was on someone. And so I was just sat up. I just had to sit up from half three to half six in the dark with him on me, which is a really, like, newborn thing, I yeah. think a lot of parents do. And you're like... 
I would li- I'd be lying if I didn't say there's part of me that thought this is a good anecdote for the podcast. <laughs> it must be horrible if a week goes past and you've got like kids, you've yeah. done nothing. <laughs> you've given me nothing this week. <laughs> yeah. How has fatherhood changed you? It's totally changed my kind of outlook in the sense of on a purely physical and lifestyle way. Mm. I don't I, I don't drink nearly as much, which is a really positive thing. It's really stopped me drinking. Yeah. In the 20s and 30s, I was just able to go out and get drunk and it was part of my life and it was part of... And now I actively... On New Year's Eve, I was like, I don't want to stay up till midnight. I don't see the point. I just quite like... I've, I'm really happy just at home in my life, yeah. which I think is... I really, and that's not something that happens overnight. It's not that thing where you go, I picked up my baby and I thought, I never want to go out with my mates again, because it's mm-hmm. not like that. But it's like, over time you go, I'm really like enjoying relaxing towards middle age. And I'm really enjoying the idea of this being my family home. And, and that is where you get your excitement and your pleasure now, rather than, outside the house yeah. if that makes sense yeah i always find as well when when the kids were a lot younger the idea of drinking and something happening yeah that really freaked exactly. me out totally and the idea of like just every time now if i have a social occasion mm. you're like is this worth it yeah like cuz is this worth it for what tomorrow will be like and nine times out of ten, it isn't worth it. <laughs> like, I don't want to be a dad who's wishing the day away. Yeah. I don't want to be a dad who's going four hours till bedtime, four hours till I can open a glass of wine mm-hmm. in the evening. I want the day to be as enjoyable as the evening. Yeah. Often it isn't because your kid's kicking off in a, you know greengrocers or whatever but like often it is do you know what I mean yeah so I really feel like I've relaxed into it being that stage of my life yeah and from being someone who loved to be organized loved to have a certain Mm -hmm. amount of control of life how has that been letting go of all of that and and knowing that certain things like you know there could be a kickoff in a grocery shop and you've just got to to roll with it and there are certain elements of life yeah. that you can't control at all I, I wouldn't say that I'm a completely changed person in that I'm still kind of you know in in my work life I'm still like to be in control and on top of stuff and yeah. but I think you learn a lot when your child's ill that's a really good example of when you just go okay, I surrender to this for the next three days. This is my life. Yeah. And that's a really moment when you go, that's when you you let go and you go, I am secondary and my life is now just helping a child get through this. And I have got no, that doesn't even kind of hit the sides in terms of my thinking, God, I wish this wasn't the case. Yeah. I also think, because I work away and because I work a lot, it's maybe much because, you know, when you're working, you're dipping in and out of parenting, yeah. obviously. You're not parenting 24-7. And so it's much easier maybe for me to go, I just surrender to this because it's just Saturday, it's just Sunday. Yeah. It's just a 
Monday morning or whatever. Maybe if I was a full-time parent, I would be going, I, I need more to go. I mean, a bit more control of this, but yeah. I, I, that's how I feel about that. I think yeah. maybe, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause it, I think you evolve so much as a parent. Well, and also you evolve as a parent and, and it, the, the situation is changing all the time. Like you must have got into a point where with the three of you, it was it was a nice little comfortable setup. You knew the dynamic and then Cassius yeah. arrives and that changes again. And as he's, he gets older and, and their relationship and bond changes between the two of them, it will change again. It's it's yeah. always evolving. Totally. And God, you get, I, I think like... My daughter's four and a half and she's like, when she was three, she, you know, she had some, you know, the temper tantrums of a three-year-old, yeah. but she's really chilled out now. And she's really, and you just go, she's much more independent. And you just go, if we only had her, our life would be so simple. <laughs> I think any parent, of, uh, any, any parent yeah. has got more than one, that thought goes into their head quite frequently. Yeah. What if? Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it, it all changes but that's the fun of it right yeah and that's that's the it, uh, thank god it all changes because when it's bad you, you know it's going to change yeah and it's the classic kind of the best advice you can ever give anyone is everything's a phase yeah exactly so the good bits really hold on to it and yeah, the bad bits enjoy it. you yeah exactly i mean it's obviously much easier said than done, isn't it? Like oh. everything with parenting, it's yeah. easier said than done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like sometimes when it all... It, it's surprising, I think, how when everything does fall apart, how massive it feels. Yeah, totally. And how much it can get to you far more than anyone else. Yeah. How much they can... Even at the age of four, they can press your buttons far more than anyone else and you go oh god what's this going to be like in 10 years when they're <laughs> going out like I've got a friend whose kid is now you know being a teenage tear away kind of thing and I just go Phew. having that overhanging everything you do yeah is that easier than a baby that needs you 24 7 or is that more difficult and I don't know it's all they're all different phases, aren't they? All just as easy and difficult as each other. I yeah, think. and the joys of things to come. Yeah. <laughs> if you could write a letter on being a dad, mm. who would it be to and what would you say? I think I'd write, you'd write to your kids, wouldn't you? I definitely would. And I would say, just try and just, I, it's as difficult as it sounds, just try and be as reactive as possible rather than, controlling the situations because that's I think also lose all ex that, that's the best best thing I'd write in it is lose all expectation of what things might be because you're they're never going to be the birthday party is never going to be that perfect moment you think it's going to be yeah but also and so don't put too much pressure on these situations because you can't put pressure on a three-year-old to deliver the perfect Christmas day that you wanted it to or whatever and so um just enjoy what it is rather than get het up on what you hoped every situation would be I think mm. it's inter interesting I think because we put so much emphasis on like social media 
and the polished yeah. images of, you know, people mm. in their families. But actually, we've been having that for decades through TV and film. You know, yeah. the, this perfect image of a family, you know, all together and cozied up on Christmas Day or the brilliant birthday party. And I think it's actually only recently where, with things like Catastrophe or Motherland, where actually yeah. you're seeing a real side of parenting where things totally. fall apart. I didn't even understand that parenting was a thing when I was a kid. Do you know what I mean? In the yeah. sense, if you don't understand. But I'd, I'd be fascinated to know whether my parents and their friends talked about the difficulties of parenting and all those kind of things. Yeah. And and that's what has happened with, I think, both of our careers is that, me and you, is that we've realised that people respond to honesty far more than people respond to... I think parenting is... I know I'm not really on Twitter. I'm on Instagram a bit, mm. but I'm not, like... I'm not on TikTok or anything, but, like, it seems to me... Parenting is an area where people respond far more to imperfection and find that much more attractive to deal with than the perfection that is often put forward on social media. Yeah. And that's the same with any parenting. I'm talking to any parent. I've got friends who I talk to who are, we're honest with and they're honest with us about the difficulties of mm. our children, our difficulties of parenting. And that has only made our bond to them closer. Because it makes you want to go to them, though, doesn't it? It makes exactly. you want to listen to exactly. them, it makes you want to talk to them, whereas the, the people that are pretending everything's perfect just kind so, of yeah, switch off. We've got friends who it is like they just wouldn't open up about, you know, it is as if their life is perfect. Yeah. And maybe it is. But, um, <laughs> but in our heads, it's not. It's not. It's it not. Can't. It can't be. <laughs> but it makes you just not engage with them at all nearly yeah. as much about parenting. Yeah. And it makes you almost like you don't you don't want to open up yourself mm. to them because you feel like it. Just the whole thing goes wrong if you're doing that. It's about you know dropping the mask, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's really important especially in parenting, to have those people that you can do that with. Totally agree, yeah. And I think, yeah, you find those people and it really, it's very helpful and reassuring. Yeah. So the podcast finishes with you finishing mm. three sentences. Oh, okay. Okay. Are you ready? Pressure's on. Yeah. Being a dad means? Being a dad means... Just being there for your children uh, to help them have as happy a life as possible. It's that simple. Surrendering your life to your child's life and doing everything to help them have as little baggage as possible. <laughs> Which I think is Quite, impossible. But... It's impossible. Yeah. It's totally impossible. And suddenly you go, but all you can do is try. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All you can do is try. Yeah. Um, since having children, I... Since having children, I have changed my lifestyle completely and it's made me so much happier to just relax into being this new kind of version of myself. Do you think it's made you more focused in terms of work and stuff? I think, yeah, I certainly think you have to make the time count when you're upstairs yeah. at the computer or when you go and do a preview gig for a tour you like right I have to try all these jokes because I can't just come out tomorrow night and do this I've only got three nights this week when I can do it yeah. so yeah 
you become far more focused on getting stuff done. Mm. And finally, I'm happy when? I'm happy when I'm in bed by 9.30. <laughs> what a treat. I love well, that. Isn't that the, just the, I never thought that would be me, but it is. <laughs> And also, though, I think when I think one thing is that when you do get that extra sleep, or when you go to bed earlier, because we all know that the earlier sleep is the best sleep anyway. Yeah. Um, there is something; it just sets you up better for the next day. You can yeah. parent better and just yeah. function and better because of that. You you feel invincible. Yeah. You feel so. If I had a good sleep and I have a cup of tea in the morning, I just feel like I know, like how my body's so kind of response to stimulants so strongly obviously but like one cup of tea on a good sleep with absolutely no alcohol in my life I feel like I'm a kind of I feel like I'm a wolf of Wall Street I've got that much (laughs) (laughs) Josh thank you so much for coming on and chatting today thank you for having me I really enjoyed it I've loved it cheers Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.